If you're still deciding on your spring break getaway, Amtrak's got just the ticket. You can visit cities from D.C. and Philly to New York and Boston, all while enjoying more sustainable travel. Amtrak produces up to 83% less carbon emissions than traveling by car or plane. And did we mention the extra legroom and comfy seats? Book early and save at Amtrak.com. Click or tap the banner. Emissions comparisons vary depending on route and locomotive type. Restrictions may apply. Stop punishing yourself with bland, chalky protein shakes and fuel your fitness with the best protein in the game at GNC. We've got the hottest brands and flavors that legit taste like cookies, your favorite cereal, indulgent desserts, and more. It's on at GNC. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to Big Mad True Crime, where we get big mad over true crime. I'm your host, Heather Ashley, and today we'll be going over what has happened so far in the Letitia Stauk trial. Letitia has been charged with the murder of her stepson, Gannon Stouch, who we covered on March 27th's episode. If you haven't listened to that yet, I definitely recommend it. Letitia's trial started just days after we aired Gannon's episode and has been live streamed. If you want to start tuning in today, Court TV has it on every day on their YouTube. I originally planned to cover Letitia's trial and written updates in the running Facebook post on the Big Mad True Crime page and in the group, but everything was coming so fast and a lot of it was really hard to read, so I decided to put it into a podcast episode for you instead. We'll do another update next month since the trial is expected to last six weeks, with the prosecution expected to call more than 150 witnesses, but today we will focus on the last two weeks. The following information is coming from the live feed of the trial and some incredible coverage by the Colorado Springs Gazette, Court TV, KOAA, People, KDVR, and Crime Online. And as a warning, what you're about to hear is going to be extremely difficult. As always, small talk sucks, so let's dive in. I'm going to try and put everything we've learned into an easy to understand timeline. So I'm going to start with the day Gannon was killed, which is also the day Letitia reported him missing. In the early morning hours, 3 a.m. that morning, Letitia made the call that she wasn't going to be coming into work because her stepfather had been hit by a car and killed, an event that very much did not happen. According to Letitia, Gannon had complained of a stomach ache the night before, which would have been a perfectly good excuse to stay home, but Letitia does not lie small. Letitia had just started working for a school a few days prior, so her new boss asked if they needed to hire a substitute for her class. Letitia had the audacity to be completely aghast that that wouldn't have been an obvious answer. She responded to her boss with, yes, it's my parent. I can't believe that would not be an assumption in a time like this. And while sure, if your stepfather got hit and killed by a car at 3 a.m. and you were calling out of work, you'd have a right to make this statement, but you don't get to be pissed off when someone is insensitive in the middle of the night about your not-killed dad. And just to throw this out there, because I think pointing out every lie is important in this case, when Letitia applied for this job, she wrote down some lady as a reference, but if the school actually called that number that she had put down, they would have gotten Gannon's phone. It was his number that she put down as the contact information for this reference in her application. People started to question Letitia pretty much right out of the gate, and I'm talking everyone. Al, who is Gannon's father, the police, neighbors, and even the parents of her daughter's friend. So let's start with Al. 
As soon as Letitia reported Gannon missing, Al called Gannon's friend's parents to ask if they had seen him, which they had not. And Gannon wasn't the kind of kid to say he was going to go somewhere and just do something the complete opposite, so something did not sit right with him at that point. That off feeling only got stronger when Al took the next flight home to Colorado and Letitia picked him up from the airport in a rental car. She said that she didn't want to rack up miles on her leased vehicle, which seemed like it should have been the least of her worries at the time because it was certainly the least of Al's worries. Letitia told Al that she had dropped her car off at the elementary school she'd just started working at, but when he was out searching for Gannon on his own, he passed that school and didn't see Letitia's car anywhere. He actually circled it three times just to make sure he wasn't missing it, but her car was definitely not there. And that's when Al knew that something was very, very wrong. Fast forward to two days after Gannon was reported missing, Letitia's daughter was supposed to be staying with a friend that night because she just didn't feel comfortable being in that house and do with that what you will. However, instead of just Letitia's daughter spending the night with her friend, Letitia herself asked if she could spend the night as well. A whole ass adult was crashing on what was supposed to be a teenage sleepover. When the friend's mom came to pick up Letitia and her daughter, she testified that when Letitia got in the car, she said, I hope you don't think we're a bunch of murderers, something that was not on any of the public's radar at that point. There was no reason for Letitia to assume that anyone had that idea. While everyone was out searching for Gannon, the number of volunteers was astronomical. Two of the volunteers happened to be the Stouch's neighbors, whom had only interacted with Letitia on one occasion, and it was a husband and a wife. When the wife sent Letitia a message on Facebook asking if there was any specific areas they should be looking for Gannon, Letitia blocked her, but the block did not last long. Letitia then made another account and messaged the previous blocked neighbor. She requested that the neighbor lie to the police on Letitia's behalf, even offering them money to call Al and tell him that they had seen Gannon getting into the car with a strange man the night that she reported him missing. She told the neighbor that she needed a witness for police to believe her story. She sent the neighbor a photo of Gannon sleeping in his bed and said, what if you just said you remembered something suspicious seeing this picture and explain the description and you didn't think it was relevant until now because the kid had the same cover. Now, mind you, the covers Gannon had on him when that photo was taken were the covers he was found wrapped in when he was found in a suitcase at the bottom of a bridge across the country weeks later. They were not the covers on his bed when police searched the house for him after he was reported missing. Letitia told the neighbor, I swear to you, I didn't do this. I just need help with someone getting this out there so they can start posting in other states. This statement seems to roughly translate to, I'd like your help interfering with this investigation. And the neighbor was having no part in this bullshit and immediately went to the police. First, the bad news. SAP Business AI won't help you generate cubist versions of your family's holiday photos. But it will help you understand which supplier is best to help you roll out your plant-based packaging in Southeast Asia. Or identify the training your junior project manager needs to rise up the ranks. And automate repetitive tasks while you focus on big innovations. So you can be ready for the next opportunity. Revolutionary technology. Real-world results. That's SAP Business AI. 
Al not believing a word that was coming out of his wife's mouth, he started working with the FBI and recorded conversations he had with Letitia about the investigation. And that encompasses a lot. Her merry-go-round of stories she told, including, but not limited to, the Eduardo story, where she claimed he broke into the house, beat and sexually assaulted both her and Gannon, and the Quincy Brown story, where she said she went to buy a bike from some dude on a most wanted list, and that Gannon fell and hurt himself, and she let old most wanted guy take Gannon to the hospital, only to never be seen again. The recorded conversations played out in court, and in one she told Al, I tried. I didn't know what was going on. All of it was a blur. It was like I was in some Lifetime movie. Because, you know, theatrics are Letitia's specialty. When Al essentially told her that the Quincy Brown story was bullshit, she told him, grow some balls and go find Quincy. And if you're raging, you're not alone there. The rage is contagious at this point, but it only gets worse. At one point, he asked her flat out if she had killed Gannon, and this bottom-dwelling son of a bitch told him, the answer is no, I can't believe you asked me this, adding, if you think Gannon's dead, that's horrible. What is wrong with you? We know police were able to record Lucifer's daughter's phone calls, but they also got a warrant to put a tracker on her car so they could keep track of where she was going. Law enforcement also eventually got warrants to seize her phone and vehicle as well, and when they approached her and her daughter in the parking lot of a Marshall store, Letitia went full panic mode. Instead of just giving over her phone and keys or even arguing with them, she started to back away and then bolted, throwing her car keys across the parking lot, which is honestly so stupid. While it obviously screams, look at me, you're on the right track, Throwing your keys is the second easiest way for police to gain possession of them. And thankfully, she is a moron. The next part of the trial that I'm going to cover is in reference to when Gannon's body was found and the injuries to his body. This is one of the most horrific murders I have ever seen. So please feel free to skip over the next few minutes. It will be difficult to hear. Gannon's body was found by a bridge inspector who was doing a routine inspection. They noticed the suitcase under the bridge and pure curiosity had them going under to see what was inside of it. The smell was what they noticed first, but they still wanted to know what was inside. The inspector unzipped the suitcase and the first thing they saw were two little feet wearing football socks. The humanity of knowing that this little 11-year-old boy was wearing football socks when he was brutally murdered somehow makes everything you're about to hear so much worse. When it comes to what was found in the suitcase, it's essentially everything that ties his murder to the house that he was killed in and how he was killed. We'd known for a long time that Gannon had been shot and stabbed, but it is so much worse than anyone could have ever imagined. Three bullets were found inside the suitcase. Two were found in the pillow that was in there with him, and one was found in his skull. While two of the bullets were found outside of his body, it's believed that he was shot three times. His body was severely decomposed, so if the bullets were inside of soft tissue, they could have moved into other parts of the suitcase, so that is just a plausible theory at this point. The other bullet was found inside of Gannon's skull. He had been shot through the jaw with a trajectory that severed his spinal cord. But the shooting came after he was brutally beaten and stabbed. A lot of people are under the assumption that premeditated murder means that it had to have been planned well in advance to the crime, but it can also mean that there was a point in time in the commission of the murder where you could have changed your mind. 
There was clearly a point where one weapon was switched out for another in Gannon's case, and in that period of time, his killer could have changed their mind. And let's be clear, Letitia's defense is not claiming that she didn't kill Gannon. They're just trying to argue that she was legally insane at the time she committed the murder, which we will pick apart in a minute, so do not worry about that. Gannon was stabbed not one, not two, but 18 times. And that happened before he was shot. However, his cause of death was not listed as sharp force injury. It was listed as a gunshot wound and blunt force trauma. Gannon had four lacerations that were caused by blunt force trauma, as well as a skull fracture caused by blunt force trauma. He also had four cuts to his right hand, as well as a wound to his left hand and his arm, all indicative of someone fending off an attack. His stab wounds were concentrated around his chest, as well as one to the back between his fifth and sixth ribs. The stab wound to his back was inflicted with so much force that while he was being stabbed through the ribs, it broke that sixth rib. And I contemplated not going into this much detail, but I want to make it clear that a fucking monster attacked this little boy. No person, let alone a child, deserves to be put through even an ounce of what he had to endure, and there has to be some sort of justice for it. The real injustice here is that no matter what punishment is landed down, it won't bring Ganon back. His killer will get to breathe the air that Ganon doesn't get a chance to. His killer will get to plan for the future, something that Ganon doesn't get to do. And regardless of how restricted that future will be, making plans is something that Ganon nor his parents will ever have the chance to do with him. So the term justice doesn't even feel like enough in this case, but let's keep going. One of the most surprising findings in Gannon's autopsy was that he had hydrocodone in his system, something that was never prescribed to him but was in the house. Hydrocodone can be used for nerve pain or as a cough suppressant and is a narcotic. It had been previously prescribed to Al for a finger injury and he never finished it so it remained in the house. While they weren't able to determine exactly how much hydrocodone was in Gannon's system due to the state of his remains, they were able to determine that it had to have been given to him within 12 hours of his death. There were only two people who knew where the hydrocodone was in that house, and only one of them was home at the time, and that's Letitia. I also want to point out that Gannon and Letitia got back to the house at 2.30 p.m. on the day he was killed, and Letitia called out of work at 3 a.m. that morning. That time frame is just 30 minutes shy of 12 hours. We know that Gannon complained of a stomach ache, so I have to wonder if the medicine was given to him under the guise of, maybe, this will help make you feel better. One other thing I wanted to throw in here before we move on to the next topic of the trial is that two red plastic pieces were also found with Gannon's body. With the way it was mentioned, it's hard to tell whether the plastic pieces were found in his skull with a bullet or if they were simply found in the suitcase with him, but I want to point out that his Nintendo Switch has not been found and one of the controllers attached to a Nintendo Switch is red and plastic. When it comes to evidence found in the house, a handgun was found on top of a dresser in the master bedroom, which had Letitia's DNA on it. I feel like it's necessary for me to also include that two other sets of DNA were found on that gun. However, the bullet found in Gannon's head was consistent with the ammunition in that handgun. Gannon's blood was also found on one of Letitia's shoes. Like I mentioned earlier, Letitia Stalk's defense is not claiming that she didn't kill Gannon. 
They're claiming that she had a psychotic crack due to trauma from her childhood and that she's not guilty by reason of insanity. So who Letitia is has been a major topic of conversation. Al testified that his relationship with Letitia was a roller coaster, and not in a way to suggest she was insane, just that she's a hot fucking mess, a massive manipulator, and a habitual liar. A few absolutely ridiculous instances were mentioned. Al testified that twice in 2019, Letitia claimed to have been burglarized. Both of those instances were imaginary, much like her claim that her stepfather had been hit by a car and died the day Gannon was killed. Apparently, she'd also claimed to have been pregnant with twins at one point, which she was not, and she also claimed to have been sexually assaulted by a captain in one of Al's previous military units in Alaska. Why? Apparently, she didn't like Alaska and didn't want to live there anymore. That is the level that this woman is willing to go to to get her way. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. When it comes to saying that you're not guilty by reason of insanity, the defendant has to prove that they didn't know the difference between right and wrong when committing the crime, and that shit goes right down the drain when measures are taken to cover up said crime. Cleaning up a crime scene, trying to throw off an investigation, and lying about it is certainly indicative of knowing what you did was wrong. Letitia sent her daughter out for cleaning supplies, she hid Gannon's body, then disposed of it across the country, all while making up ridiculous stories implicating other people and trying to pay people to lie about seeing witnesses they did not see. The fact that they're even attempting an insanity defense blows my mind, but with the evidence against her, I suppose that was her only shot, albeit a very small one. Her defense has tried arguing that since there's no motive, she must be insane, stating, The reason here, there is no motive. There is no reason. It doesn't make sense. It's insane. Which is giving the vibe that he thinks the jury is stupid and won't understand the difference between thinking someone is crazy for killing a child versus computing the difference between that bitch is crazy and the legal definition of insanity. It's also just a fucking insult to the justice system, as if murderers who kill people with no motive shouldn't be held to the same standard as someone who had a reason. In order to prove that Letitia was not insane at the time of Gannon's murder, they obviously had her evaluated by numerous doctors, but police also interviewed people who had interacted with her in the time surrounding the murder. Not one of them said that she seemed to be suffering from any kind of severe mental illness, and that includes a job interview she had prior to the murder. Not one of them said that she seemed to be suffering from any kind of severe mental illness. And that includes a job interview she had prior to the murder, which was an interview that she got hired for. When it comes to Al's opinion of her insanity, he testified, I believe she is and was absolutely sane from the time I met her to even today. 
One of the most heartbreaking parts of the trial up until this point has been Al's testimony. When asked to identify the boy in the photo displayed to the courtroom, he fought back tears as he said, that's my boy. He recalled the last conversation he had with his son before he had to hop on that plane for his military leave. In an almost poetic conversation, Al told Gannon, you're always going to be in my heart and I'm always going to be in your heart. Like a true 11-year-old, Gannon responded, Okay, Daddy, I love you, and I'm going to finish watching Pokemon. Al says that he remembers it like it was yesterday. Letitia's trial is expected to go on for several more weeks. Because of that, May's Thursday episode will be continued coverage of her trial. If you want to follow along in the meantime, you can check back on the publications I mentioned at the beginning of this episode. You can watch it live on Court TV's YouTube channel. And for those of you who want to tune in but can't watch a video, you can search the hashtag Letitia Stauk trial on Twitter and find countless dedicated reporters who are tweeting up-to-date information about what is happening in the courtroom. For all photos pertaining to this case, check out Gannon's highlight at the top of my Instagram profile at the Heather Ashley. We go live regularly on TikTok and Instagram to discuss all episodes and any other true crime cases on your mind. So follow me at the Heather Ashley on either and tap on the bell icon so you can be notified anytime we go live. To get access to ad-free and bonus episodes, subscribe to our Apple Premium or head over to our Patreon at patreon.com slash bigmadtruecrime, where for just one whole dollar a month, your episodes are totally ad-free. If you love the podcast, feel free to leave a review. It makes my day every time. And if you have a case that you would like to hear covered, share with Big Mad True Crime on social media because all cases are covered by listener request. I'll be bringing you a brand new case next week, and I cannot wait. But until then, we out. All right, guys, we are officially at the end of the episode, and it's time to share a review that made my whole day. This one is from Raven's Love and says, I can't get enough of BMTC. I wish Heather was superhuman and could release new episodes daily. Between the way she narrates, her compassion, and her awesome zingers, I find myself listening to each episode over and over until the next one is available. Definitely subscribe to Patreon. You are missing out if you don't. Please never stop, Heather. Love you, mean it, bye. There are times when I almost feel bad reading reviews because I don't want anyone to feel like, oh, this girl's over here high-fiving herself, but seriously, these do make my entire day. There are always going to be times in life where you question whether you're doing good enough, and that happens a lot in podcasting, and I am so appreciative of all of you who have taken the time to say, hey, keep it up, I love your shit. So, Raven's Love, you are my favorite person of the day. Thank you for taking time out of your day to do something kind. Okay, guys, I love you, and I'll talk to you next week. Bye.